if you're a creative person it's about more than that you know it's about I want to carry on living in what feels like like my space like where my talents are able to do their thing where I'm able to find flow and I want to be able to do that and feed myself and my family hello and welcome to the no room for doubt podcast my name's kyra matthews i'm a manifestation obsessive and i help creatives and independent business owners overcome self-doubt and anxiety so they can build thriving businesses online so let's get into it so is it just me Or has 2020 taken a lot out of us? For many of you, and I've seen this mentioned by some of the members in Stuck to Unstoppable, we've really given our businesses our all in 2020. And I've noticed that a lot of us are coming into 2021 wanting to create growth, still wanting success, but we're wanting to do it differently than what we did last year. We're wanting to do that growth and that success from a place of loving ourselves, nurturing ourselves, from a place of slowing down, really leaning into that feminine energy and moving away from that hustle, 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 more is more is more. We're getting more strategic in our thinking and we're also really safeguarding our time, which makes today's episode so perfectly timed (laughs) it's as if I scheduled this podcast myself (laughs) today I'm chatting with an amazing amazing woman I came across her Instagram late at night one night and I was watching I just stumbled across one of her videos and she was talking about how money stories and how our money stories hold us back in business and I loved that video so much I actually started crying when I was watching it I felt so seen from hearing her talk so I thought I had to have her on the podcast so she can share the wisdom that I got to experience when I came across her page so so to perfectly sum up who she is and the conversation that we we I have for you today I'm gonna read a little bit of her bio because it just so succinctly puts together everything that she shares today she says humans are creatures of habit and pattern what we see we seek to replicate and yet if all we see is patriarchal models of business rich white men not paying their taxes people hustling and hustling hustling without a moment to have a good sit people who seem more together than us more professional more polished and consistent then we are only left with two options assimilate or reject that pattern often we do a bit of both So I'm going to let her do some of the talking because we'll be exploring that need to our need and desire to assimilate and how that need and desire to assimilate often can keep us stuck and stop us from reaching the next level in our business. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you the amazing Ray 
Dodd. So for the listeners who haven't been following you and who are new to you, who are you and what do you do? So I'm Ray Dodd. I am a money and business coach and I work. So I describe myself in my Instagram bio as not your average money coach because I put off being a money coach for a really, really long time. <laughs> I was like, mm, 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 nope, no, thank you. No, because I very much saw money coaches as blonde women wearing caftans, kicking waves on the beach and talking about abundance. And that's really not me at all I come from a perspective of looking at the whole picture when it comes to money so we're looking at I'll be looking at someone's history but also what society says to them also what various systems of oppression say to them you know white supremacy the patriarchy ableism all of those parts and kind of how that manifests itself using the word manifest in a money in a non-money sense in terms of how that manifests itself in in the ways that we do or do not receive money or make money that's interesting so there's quite a few bits that I want to break down here but first I want to break down your resistance to being a money Mm. coach because so many listeners on the podcast, they want to be, they're creative. They have mm. some creative hobby that they want to take into a business. Mm. And it's admitting that they want to do this thing. And then being like, it's for sale, which is like the hiccup. There's like two bits. Like, yeah. I want to do this thing. And do I really think I could sell this thing? So how did you overcome your discomfort with like, oh, I want to do that thing. And it just feels so uncomfortable. Well, it's a work in progress, I would say. I think I'm still, so I'm toying with the idea of dropping the and business bit of my title and just actually like, I've wondered if that's me still kind of diluting what I do and being like, you know, because I'm a business coach as well and not <laughs> fully like going, no, Ray, you are a money coach, own it. Just, yeah. just for goodness sake. But what happened was, so I started off without giving you a whole history of like my life. I um, started off in my coaching business being a coach for mums. So at the time I had, I've now got a five and an eight year old, but I had really small kids and I'd grown one business kind of in the margins of motherhood, essentially with no real childcare and no like, you know, just in the margins of my time and so I'd used a lot of like mindset work and kind of self-worth work in order to be able to do that and so I started off just working with mums and as I came out of that what I called myself and interestingly I wanted to be a money coach when I came out of that I just couldn't bring myself to do it I just like when I first realized I wanted to be a coach I was like no I was like, oh, come on, no. Like, you know, and this is like four or five years ago, you know, everyone says now everyone's a coach. Even then everyone was like, well, everyone's a coach now. And so I was like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person, which is basically like, I am naturally a coach. So it was a real self-loathing on myself. So at that point I was like, I want to do that, but I'm too scared. I can't own it. I don't want to do it. So I instead called myself a taking up space mentor Mm -hmm. and It was so interesting because that and I did that kind of occupied that space for nine months to a year, probably. And I remember talking to my coach at the time afterwards, once I transitioned and was like, you know what, I'm just going to own this money thing. 
Um, and a few people said to me, they were like, do you think you made a mistake with the taking up space stuff? And I was like, no. And me and my coach talked about it. I kind of re- relayed that conversation. She was like, you coached yourself in taking up space until you could take up that space. Like that kind of whole period of my business was, yes, about helping other people take up space. Of course it was. But really it was about me being more comfortable in this space because it's conf- like one of the things we're taking up space is it's confronting. Oh, how yes. <laughs> I like- always say to my clients, like, I want to say to you, do this. There'll be no impact. It'll be fine. <laughs> but it there, there will be like, you know, women being visible, women being opinionated, wow. or, you know, and not just women, like all sorts. But if we confront societal expectations, it takes up space and there is kickback. People do notice. Totally. So much, I resonate with so much of what you said because it's like when you decide to take up space in terms of doing your own business and being the face of that business I feel like you cannot do that without confronting all of the stories that you've had for me being a woman of color like I was the first child in my family to go to university I had so many stories mm. and they were almost painful to look at yeah And then when it came to receiving money, there were so many challenges and so many, like, I was like, I didn't even know you could have blocks (laughs) about receiving money. Like, but why would you, right? Like, (laughs) like I want it. Like I'm saying I want it. And it's so interesting you word it that way that you said about receiving money, because I do think, of course, there are blocks to making money. I think the main block for most people is in receiving it. How do you think it shows up with in yourself or in the clients that you've worked with so many sneaky ways so many different ways from we'll say that we're self-sabotaging we're procrastinating that we don't want to uh, make anyone else feel bad we'll say that it's kindness it's kind of like I don't know if you hear this from your clients but I hear this all the time I just you know I want my work to be affordable for people that's kinder and, and then at the same time, they're eating beans out of a can and they can't, they're not sure they, they might have to go and work in Tesco's because they're not sure they can make their business work. Mm. Or now, nowadays it would be become an Amazon driver, right? Like that's the, <laughs> that's the, totally. loads of work. Like, you know, it, we've, it's like the kindness is never to ourselves. It's always to somebody else. And I think it's really interesting. It's so infrequently, like sometimes, like I said, it is like, I don't, I'm, I'm scared to offer this thing. But equally, when we like really skirt around the issue or we get deep dive into the issue, it's more, well, what if they have it? What if they buy the thing and it's not good enough? Yeah. Which is less about making the money in the first place. It's about receiving it and that money being safe with you. Totally. And I see that with so many creatives that I work with. Like, it's really interesting because in one of our first conversations that will come up with a creator, they will say if they're like not making the money that they want, they'll be, they'll say something like, oh, I don't want to let anyone down in case like it doesn't fit. If it's like a piece of clothing, they don't like it. And there came a point where I was realizing, hey, like everyone is saying this whole story. Like everyone has the same thing. This can't be personal Mm -hmm. to you. It's such a story. So I know that personal stories are really a big part of your work. Where Mm -hmm. do you think that this comes from for women, for non-gender conforming people Mm. where how do we pick up this story like when does this happen 
I think that anyone that doesn't fit into that very like heteronormative white middle-class man, it's kind of a narrow person, but it's also, I've been reading Sonia Renee Taylor's book. Have you read that? The Body Is Not An Apology. Oh my God. It's got the best cover of any book you've ever seen. I've got it on my desk because I'm reading it. Look at this. Look at this cover. I mean, oh my God. I don't know if you do the, do you do a video version of the podcast or should I explain it? how can I explain it like (laughs) it's amazing it's so it's like kind of like this catholic iconography style with Sonia and Taylor like splayed out naked with uh, flowers on her nipples it's wonderful this book so what's interesting is she talks about body she's talking about uh, radical self-love the kind of tagline is the power of radical self-love and she talks about like it's not just about body acceptance it's really about the fact that there is one body that is acceptable and that is the male white middle class body like that's the body that's okay and um she so she's not like you can look at it and think it's going to be just about like women and weight basically and it's not at all what's so interesting i think is that there is that one kind of person one being that is acceptable no matter what and I think they're feeling they're feeling it shaking around a bit this year (laughs) I'm not sure about this yeah like oh I don't think people want me anymore um (laughs) but you know she's like I think if you don't fit in there you automatically have this vulnerability to like you know humans are made to connect with each other we're made to feel seen and to feel appreciated and to be loved and and to live in like different various forms of community but that that acceptance and that love is really important and when we don't feel seen it creates almost like these like it's almost like we become porous I think and we just like suck in all these ways that we're like how can I be what I'm meant to be like how how can I be more acceptable to everybody and yet those things don't fit with us and so they feel deeply uncomfortable because we're trying on these outfits of who we're meant to be and and, you know you think if it's just a middle-class white man's body that's acceptable well what are we trying on suits like (laughs) you know like and if you take it really literally like you know chinos and and shirts and and they're not they're not what we want to wear they're not who we want to be and I also think there's a huge I don't even know what how you describe it, a discrepancy between who we're told to be and who we're socialized to be so we're told to be emotionless and if we want to be like in the business world we've got to like separate our feelings from what we're doing and yet as for anyone who socializes a woman you are really taught to stay in touch with your feelings and and yet they're too much at the same time and it just leaves your head spinning totally and I feel like maybe this is similar for you but definitely for me I didn't even I wasn't totally conscious of these stories I had until I Mm -hmm. launched a business it's almost like you create a website the next day you have an identity crisis (laughs) (laughs) I don't know like who am I and for me I feel like that really came running when I bought a marketing course and there was all these things I didn't know. I don't, still don't really know what a funnel is. Don't know if I ever want to know what that is. <laughs> all of these different things. And it almost felt like, you know, when we say the word marketing, that it's like we're putting on that suit of who we think should be yes. a good marketer or yes. a good person who sells. Yes. Yeah. And I would love your thoughts and your opinion on this. Like, how do we, I guess, reclaim that word, reclaim 
being able to receive money and put that on in a way that is socialized for us or that feels good for us yeah I think one of the first steps in that is kind of acknowledging the amount of damage that has often been done via traditional business practices so the easiest one for me and I think it's across the board but the easiest one and you touched on this a little bit ago for me is selling so increasingly I am convinced that people who don't conform to that kind of narrow space I was talking about and I don't use this word lightly have been traumatized by the way that they have been sold to in the past and by that I don't just mean like shady online business practices I mean like the fact that nearly every product that's marketed to us is done so on the basis that we are not good enough and therefore we need to buy this thing and so what happens when it comes to selling is people feel a very visceral reaction of I don't want to do that I don't want to sell but all they think is I don't want to sell they don't think I'd be traumatized and I can see that like they're just like nope I don't want to sell to people I don't want to pressure people I don't want to force them I don't want to make them feel bad but they never think about why their brain is telling them that they will be making people feel bad by and the way I describe my work is inviting somebody to part with money for something you do like when we word it that way, it doesn't feel so bad. But the amount of times I hear people like, you know, saying that I don't want to pressure them. I don't want to make people part with their money, like very throwaway things. But you can hear some stuff in there. So I think one of the ways that we kind of make this more normal to ourselves is we acknowledge the harm that those things have done. We, we actually look at it and go, how have I felt when I've been sold to? And the easiest example whenever I talk about this is that kind of very stereotypical idea of like a um, the used car salesman or the person trying to sell you double glazing, which doesn't happen so much now. The example I always use now is the people that sell Sky in the street. You know, oh, the people, yeah. and, and they want to catch your eye and you're like, I don't want Sky. It's really expensive and you, Netflix is cheaper and it's better. So, like, and you do this kind of like, like shuffle away, but because there's this like, this imbalanced power dynamic where they need you more than you need them. They need the commission. That's why they're after you. Whereas when you are doing the sorts of things, like if you're a service-based business or a product-based business, if you're a creative person, it's about more than that. You know, it's about, I want to carry on living in what feels like like my space like where my talents are able to do their thing where I'm able to find flow and I want to be able to do that and feed myself and my family and so there's a very different thing than I need I need you to do this for the money but we find ourselves falling into that space so I think there's healing that needs to be done around that and there's realizing that you can do it a totally different way like you get to decide you get to look at it and be like, the old rule was I needed to pressure people. The new rule is I get to invite people and just notice how different that is. Totally. I love that invite, inviting people. That's so fun. Yeah, there's so much. And, and I was talking to somebody on, a, on one of my courses today and just saying like, just act like when you, do, she does loads of videos, but she wasn't selling on them. I was like, just, just say at the end, by the way, I've got this going on if you'd like to join me. That's it. And that's often all the selling I do on something. And I think we can, and it, there's, I'm making it sound like it's really easy. <laughs> and so, and I do want to say sometimes it is, sometimes it's as simple as like switching a switch. And sometimes it's like, that's where the bit I was talking about, like the, the acknowledging the pain and, and kind of that, like looking at how we heal from that. And also 
it's feeling the discomfort as you choose to do it a different way and everything in your brain says well this won't work because this isn't how people have done it before totally because I find that our brain is always looking to like what's worked, like worked before, <laughs> like the past. Yeah. We love a bit of that, like just yeah. it. Like we want to know, you know, our favorite football team is going to win, or like you know, Beyonce is going to come to town, or whatever date. Like it's so much uncertainty to deciding to like do your own thing, yeah. which leads me really quite nicely into like I feel like the first moment I realized, oh my god, I have to talk to her, I have to know her. <laughs> Which was when you did your Instagram story about mm. investing in your business, but using your credit or like getting into debt yeah. to invest in your business. I was just going to speak about that video just briefly for people who haven't seen it. I cried when I watched it. It was like one in the morning because I felt so seen. There is this sort of like these two coins where it's like start a business, invest in yourself, do it, do it, do it. Don't go into debt though. Like, don't believe in yourself too much. Mm. I would love for you to share your thoughts. It's so fascinating. I mean, my first thought when you say that, and it makes me, like, it. it's always enraged me, this, like, invest in your business, but don't go into debt, where it, what you are instantly saying is that a number of people cannot join, do not get to invest in their businesses. They don't get to do that. And I really do believe that people who don't fit into that narrow space that I was talking about, often we do need more support, like more coaching, more therapy, because we we are traveling against a like, what's it what called? When water flows, like a stream, a current. <laughs> yeah, a current. <laughs> Talk about being showing up imperfectly. Yeah, that current will be stronger depending where your privileges lie, but depending where your intersections are um, and easier for other people, but no, nevertheless still traveling against the something. And so this idea that you must do it, but you mustn't get into debt. I'm just like, cool. Well, you've just said to a load of people, like, we don't want you because we've decided that you are not responsible enough to pay back the money. Like, and also, you know, it goes into like um, generational wealth as well. So one of the things that I was able to do was borrow from family. And that probably wouldn't be frowned on the same way as if I whacked it on a credit card. But I'm able to do that because I'm a white woman <laughs> who's who where generational wealth, you know, for generations, people in my family have owned homes. Yeah. And so that's filtered down. And I'm so I'm able to access that but I don't want a business world that just looks like me. And so it is going to look different. There is going to be debt. I feel so seen in that because it's almost this strange barrier to entry where owning a business and having something that you love and you know how to sell, I think is like one of the best things that you could teach yourself or pursue to learn. Mm. And then I think exactly as you said, it's like, oh, but only some people get to yeah. like this, like this language is only for. Yes, it's so patronizing. I just think it's really like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I am not suggesting that people just like get into like debt that they really can't manage. And I know that that can happen. But acting like all debt is the same mm -hmm. is just not going to lead us into a place where we have diversity of businesses and of bis people who run businesses of entrepreneurs it's just oh it makes me mad and it, it took me so long to to do that video because I know how many people are so vehemently anti-debt 
but also how many people I know encourage people into debt within their programs. And so I really wanted to get the balance right of saying like, and, and I said this a number of times in the video, like I trust you. I trust you to know the difference. What would you say, how do you, would you say you view investing in your business in that sense? Well, I have always invested before I was ready, always. I've always invested officially beyond what I could. So in terms of actually like investing in my business, in terms of coaching, I, I haven't ever put that on a credit card or, you know, borrowed from family. I borrowed from a, a family member to go on a retreat. I'd meant to make the money for it, but I just, I had a freak out. <laughs> I just completely like yeah I was like launching this group program this is way back when my business first began and um, I always say that it was like so on my first day of secondary school um, my dad I went to a private secondary school even though I was like the poorest person there basically I don't know I don't know it's like a family thing that like my mum and dad like decided we had to go there and grandparents paid so we turned up in our beaten up Volvo in this like huge school that had a tennis court outside I was in my like inherited uniform from friends of like family friends who'd had it and I remember getting to the front of the school looking up and just jumping back in my dad's car and going you have to drive around again I can't do it I can't go in this is when I was in year seven and that's what I did with my group program so I launched this group program I had enough people I just didn't get in contact with them in time I let them drift off and that was meant to be the money from that program which I had people to buy from I just sabotaged it um yeah those people would have paid for this trip so my aunt ended up paying for that and but on that trip I signed up to coach with somebody for thousands of pounds I did not have that money but what I did is I got home and I made the money mm. so I I literally I remember getting home we couldn't pay our rent and I had I hadn't paid don't get wrong that's not because I'd paid a load of money to somebody else <laughs> like oh is this a I didn't do that. Or? <laughs> No, and we got kicked out. And it's, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I um, But what I did was I was like, right, so I have to make the money for this month and the money that I've signed up to pay monthly for the next nine months. And I did that. I did that. And there's been, for me, and I don't think this works for everyone. I should say that. For some people, this makes them like go into fight or flight and they can't do it. And that's not a judgment. It's just a different reaction. But for me, it makes me go, I'm coming. I can do this. Doing like, it. Raising I, the building. Yeah. I love a scrappy underdogness, I think. Like, I think I get a bit of like, go on, watch me. I can do this. I was, I was paying for coaching for who I knew I was going to become rather than who I was in that moment, if that makes sense. Totally. Which is a big, challenging and scary thing. It's so much fun. I love it, though. Yeah. One yeah. of the things that you really interesting set, interestingly said, which I feel like ties back to like where we started this conversation, was that you had all these people that were interested in you before you went on holiday to mm. buy your program, mm. but you sort of self-sabotaged yourself mm. out of the money or away from yeah. the money. Yeah. What signs do people look for if they feel like they are kind of self-sabotaging? Like they giving it all this energy, but it's just not quite connecting. So it's even though I've used the term self-sabotage there I don't believe in self-sabotage as a kind of like I'm just trying to harm myself and I just I don't I, you know I'm getting in my own way I really think that when we're doing that it's a protective belief 
somebody really worth looking at about this is Sass Petherick, who talks about this a lot. And I've done some training with her. I'm doing some training with her. And we talk a lot in that about these protective beliefs that come up. So actually what was happening, and it's so interesting that I can tie it to jumping back in my dad's beaten up Volvo and driving around the block again, because it's a, it's a familiar pattern for me to go, oh my God, look at this big space. I'm too small. I need to hide. And so it's looking at if I'm not doing something. So for instance, really classic behavior of that kind of self-sabotaging is you might go downstairs and you'll, you'll watch something on Netflix rather than do the work you've got to do. Like kind of innocuous, not that big a deal, but equally you might find yourself going, why am I, or me this morning, why am I playing on the Nintendo switch when I need to start work? (laughs) Like stuff like that. And so it's like asking yourself, like, what am I protecting myself from here? What am I frightened will happen if I do what I need to do? And sometimes that can be a very quick, like, oh God, I'm just scared of rejection. And I'm familiar with that about myself. And that's helpful. Sometimes it might be a deeper, like investigating into what's going on, but we don't self-sabotage and we don't get in our own way for no reason. Same with laziness. I just don't believe in any of them. Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting approach to think of it like, no, that's your body trying to keep you alive. That's what it's meant to do. It's not meant to put you in all these scary situations and build a business. Its only job is protection. Yeah, yeah. From fear, real or imagined. Yeah, absolutely. And your brain doesn't think it through. Your brain is so black and white. It doesn't think through the nuance or your subconscious brain doesn't anyway. It's just like, I think you're going to die if you do that because I'm unfamiliar with that. So please stop. That's, that's literally all it does. I spend most of my time coaching just being like, what are you be- what, what's your brain doing there? What's it protecting you from? And it's a constant, constant thing of looking at that. So yeah, if people are in that situation, if you're if you are doing that thing, you know, retreating, not following through on things, just be like, what am I protecting myself from? And sometimes I feel like it's good to tell to show that part of yourself or that little part of your brain, like what else is out there? So I love how you talk about approaching your business from a place of plenty, which I can think that can be a really interesting thing for me. And it's something that I sometimes step into myself when I'm getting Mm. a bit scared. Like, Kyra, you're thinking that it's not out there for you. It is. You just can't see it yet. You just don't know when it's going to happen. That's all. Yeah. Do you want to share that concept with those who aren't that familiar? Because I just think I love just even plenty. Just that. It's so visual. Yeah, um, my my lovely friend Nicola Ray Wickham said that it re- when I when I named my course that she was like it reminds me of when like your mum had put food down on the table and she'd be like there's plenty like it was just and I loved that it's like I was like yeah I really remember my mum saying that as well like if you had someone around yeah you can come around there's plenty um so yeah so plenty is kind of my um it's kind of my version of abundance. I don't love the term abundance for many reasons. Um, one of the main ones being that it's be- been very linked to, and I'm not against law of attraction actually as a concept, I'm really not, but I think it is. it often is a very narrow take on things and it doesn't take into account. It's just like, you know, think positive thoughts and take responsibility for yourself and you'll be fine. And it's just like, well, there's a bit more to it than that. Like we're not all being treated equally here. So that's not quite how, how it works. So um, for me, plenty was like a way of saying like, there is already plenty of space for you. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of goodwill. One of my favorite stories around it that I think of is Madam CJ Walker, who was the first um, American, first 
I think she was the first female millionaire in America. I don't know about the world. Gosh. Yeah. So she's on, there's a program about her on Netflix called, oh my God, what's it called? It's got Octavia Spencer in it. She plays her. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, oh, she's the hairdresser. It's like she has yes. hair products. Yes. I've watched that. Oh my gosh, amazing. I was like, yeah. I do not know who this woman is. Yeah. You know who she is through that. She's amazing. So she's the yeah. daughter of slaves, first generation to not be, you know, born in slavery for obviously the time that her family was in that situation. And she went on to be not the first black female millionaire, the first female millionaire. And if anyone was going to bet on anyone in that situation, you wouldn't have bet on her to do that. But what was amazing is that she was speaking to her people, the people that she knew needed these products in that time. And there were plenty of those people who would like appreciate what she offered and would you know part with their money with her that, that she became a millionaire. And so I love stories like that, where we can look at like, you know, is the world, per- do we have to make the world perfect in order for us to um, have the, what we desire? No. Should we be working on that? Yes, absolutely. But that doesn't mean there is not enough for us in the world. Does that make sense? So this idea that there is plenty of space out there for you um, and that you can, I really believe, 100% believe that we all have a kind of a space where our talents and, and our passions and all of that kind of combine. And I really believe that that is your, you are the only person who can fill that space. I also believe that we can accidentally go into other people's spaces, but we'll fill it badly. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like, I feel like just this year, I learned that phrase, stay in your lane. Like I yeah. never really knew what it meant before until I was like, oh, so that's why. I started, when I left university, I started working in fashion styling and there was always some like drama around me. I just found it really challenging. I loved it, but I just wasn't, it wasn't clicking and meshing for me. As soon as I started like coaching and working with people, mm. my friend sent me a video like, oh, like stay in your lane. Like this is your lane. Yeah. It just took you a few years to figure it out. Yeah. But it's so obvious now. And I feel yeah, like yeah. sometimes some of us, we have that, those awkward growing periods of, eh, it's yeah. not coming together. Basically my whole twenties, <laughs> <laughs> all of it. And possibly my the first five years of my thirties yeah. as well. So one of the biggest challenges I think that people find is how do they step in? How do they connect to that feeling of plenty, feeling mm. of there's so much money out there. Yeah. When they feel like they have all this evidence to say it's not or at least it's not for them yeah so the first thing I'll say on this is there is a reason I have a three-month course on this (laughs) so like I don't want to act like it's like you know click your fingers and you'll be done so but what I would say is something that I notice a lot is that people are often you know like I hear people say like I don't if I charge that amount no one will buy it but they've not tried to charge that amount Mm. you know but they're they're filling in that gap of evidence so one of the things I would say is like lean into when one of my tricks is when I find myself coming from that place of scarcity which is obviously the opposite of plenty I will play a game with it and be like well what if I was to act in opposition to that scarcity so for example say you're selling something and no one's really buying I might then go and follow up in my dms with a few people that have shown interest before I might send another email or I might do another thing 
I'm sorry if you can hear my kids shouting, by the way. That's okay. I don't think it'll be picked up. Okay. They're post-school, like they need Christmas holidays so bad. Of course. <laughs> so um, yeah, so um, yeah, I would like do something in opposition to that scarcity to really challenge it and almost grow that plenty muscle and gather that evidence. Now I say that with a caveat that when you really do have um, deep-seated stories that that is not possible for you, it can be tricky to turn that switch but for some people that can work I also am a big fan even though you can like buy the journals in Sainsbury's now and that upsets me gratitudes are an amazing tool when it comes to that stuff like to just grow your ability to receive positive information totally I almost feel like there's a huge shift that has to happen like often we're conditioned for there not to be enough for whatever reason like there's so many different upbringing reasons why we may have that belief but sometimes it's just this slow awareness of realizing oh like that's my natural tendency to think that there's not not space for me yeah and that can be like really deep like that can really come from you know I I was um doing an exercise today with some people um like in some training that I'm doing and we had to go through our lifeline and and I think I've noticed this that I think we all have a tendency to downplay our own experiences so I look at my life and I'm like it was fine it's not too bad bits of trauma here and there but it's all right but saying it to other people they were like whoa that's like a lot that's happened and there's a lot of peaks and troughs at the end of it they were like what would you call the book of your life and I was like I'd call it river deep mountain high because it is like like up and down and up and down oh my god (laughs) but I think that what when we have had experiences like that when we have had peaks and troughs and that might not be somebody else's experience it might be just down or it might be up and they might be scared that it will drop you know that, that how long will that luck last so it like that those stories acting like we should just go like just go just, you know just push through it just go and earn the money just up your prices just do it it's rarely helpful in the long term oh my gosh yes and one of the tools that I use or one of the indicators that I use for me like if there's a story that because sometimes you can't see them like it's not like my brain is consciously saying hey Kyra because your gran was the first person to move to the UK from Jamaica there's this story but yeah. sometimes there's this like anxiety used to play a big part for me like I would have this mm. emo- this negative emotion mm. that until I learned how to slow down and process it Mm. then I could see this conscious story and so I wonder do you do any work with emotions like what role do you feel like emotions play in our life and in achieving our goals would you say oh I think they're a huge part of it so the phrase that I always use is like we've got to bring our feelings to work because I feel like the kind of old model of business was very much like separate you know even the way we talk about like it's business not pleasure or it's, you know, it's this all this like, you know, it's not personal, it's business. And I think so many people, particularly people that have been socialized as female, find themselves just being like, oh, I can't do that. I just feel so emotional about this. I have all these like little phrases that I use. And one of them is that there are no bad emotions, just less comfortable ones. And they've all got so much information. But what I see over and over again in myself and in my clients and in people I speak to is this like, oh my God, why am I so weird about money? I just should earn it and stop worrying about it. Like just why is this feeling of doubt coming up? And we bury it. And that feeling is literally there being like, I've got something to say to you. 
And we don't, we need to give those feelings space and listen to what they're saying. And yeah, we might then go, hey, little dude, calm down. It's fine. Like you're, you're really, you're being a bit much here. And we might need to talk to it and like calm it. But those feelings often come from our childhood and they, they don't come from that adult perspective. They come from that little kid and they're popping up to really protect us in their own like naivety. Totally. It's like right before this call, I was just talking to a client and I was saying like, your emotions are stopping you from doing this thing right now. It's like someone telling you, hey, like you've left a pot on the cooker. Like you need to go and do this. It's urgent. Like go and do this. And you're there trying to like run away and leave the house. And they're like, no, like, can you go and look at this boiling pot? Like, yeah, you need to deal with this. You need to do something with this. Yeah. I mean, it comes up so frequently around rest. And I mean, that's layered in itself. But, you know, people will be like, I'm just so tired and I just need to get this thing done. I'm like, but you're so tired. Like, how are you going to get that thing done? Like, you're not obvious when you say yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, oh, yeah. But this is the, like, absolute magic of coaching is that it might seem obvious once we've talked it through and it's reflected to us, but it doesn't until we have somebody there to reflect that stuff to us. And it's why I always work with coaches, often coaches that have a leaning towards talking about money. Because I'm not, you know, I'm working through my stuff too. I'm doing that. And I think I will be for a long, long time. I, I kind of, and now I presume it'll be forever. Maybe I'll get to like 60, 70, 80 and be like, there was an end. <laughs> I, became, I evolved. <laughs> I, my kids are really into Pokemon. So I always think oh about like God. evolutions, like maybe I'll, I'll evolve into like the next version. There'll be a mega evolution and all sorts of things. I love that. That's so fun. <laughs> so as we're here on the topic of money, I just want to ask, is there anything else that you wanted to share or you think it's important for lis- listeners right at the beginning of their business, maybe just putting things together? Maybe they've had this idea for a while, some have had kids and now's the perfect time to come back mm. to this dream that they've always had. Is there anything or any special messages you'd like to share with them? I think actually we just touched on it. I think it's listening to your feelings. So if you're in that situation, a lot of feelings are going to come up and they are not a sign that you're not doing it right. The only that like actually when we listen to them, having those feelings is a sign that you are doing it right because it shows that you are moving um, into new spaces and our brains will kick up. Like our brains are like mean siblings sometimes, you know, like they know exactly the thing to stop you in your tracks. The mean thing to say to like undercut and get you to be like, oh, that really got me. And your brain knows you the best of anyone and it will chuck the meanest things at you. Be mindful of believing it. <laughs> Just being like, yep, that's absolutely factually right. And instead, yeah, listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I am absolutely terrible and awful and never gonna be successful. But instead of that, like, listen to me like, well, what is that feeling that I'm having? And naming the feeling and asking yourself like, is it fear? And, and I would really say a basic understanding of mindset and how brains work is fundamental if you're going to run your own business. Mm. There's way more bits, there's body bits, there's all sorts, there's lots to get into. But as a starting point, an understanding of how our fight, fight, freeze and all of that stuff is triggered is absolutely imperative. That's amazing. I think my last question to you is going to be if I feel like you've probably already answered it, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway, because I feel like it's super fun if everything burnt down for you today mm-hmm. like your family was safe but like everything <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and you had to start over and you could mm. only take three things to do that with what three things would they be like physical things or thought things could be a mixture of both whatever you think if it's a shovel that's going to get you there I'm with it like <laughs> okay oh god that's such a good question okay well I would take a coach okay I would 100%, I'd find somebody, I'd have to voxer them. So I'd need a phone. I don't know if that counts as a thing. Maybe <laughs> those two things could be together. Um, I would, do you know what my, that I built my business on was speaking and learning out loud. So like doing videos. So like that debt video I did, there was a lot of that I'd already thought, but there were bits of that that came out as I was chatting and that I will think, you know, when you have that like, monologue at the back of your head and I'll be like really good point Ray haven't thought about that before like that has been that I'm a real external processor and I think that having the opportunity to like do those videos has been like absolutely transformational for in so many ways like I feel different about like how I look because of those videos I feel different about myself like my abilities all sorts of things that's been incredibly important and I think the other thing I'd have is a journal yeah so that ability like so all of mine's really about reflection I'm, all, I'm an obsessive reflector it's the last place that we want to look when things aren't working so I love that those are your three things so thank you for coming on to the show today how can people get in touch if they want to know more about you? Because I get this sense that this is just the tip of the iceberg of all that you know, like Pandora's <laughs> box, you want to see more. So I'm Ray underscore Dodd on Instagram. It's really important you have the underscore because I think Ray Dodd with no underscore is a Republican hunter. And there's a lot of like, I mean, I might be tarnishing them with the Republican bit. Maybe I just presume all hunters are Republicans. Sorry, Americans. Bad people. I'm just like, well, um, but yeah do the underscore otherwise you're going to be very confused by the ray dodge you find and and then i also have a facebook group called money making women and a podcast called yeah money i'm gonna women. say that yeah so those are the main places that you can find me and i'm hoping next year like we're just planning for next year and i'm really hoping that the podcast is going to become one of the main places people will be finding me next year amazing and where can people find the podcast just anywhere yes yeah, so it's on my website which is raydodd.co.uk and it's on all of the things Guys, if you love this episode, please let Ray know because I love receiving feedback and I'm sure she will too. I do. Thank you so much for inviting me.